so uh, dangerous prayers because some prayers are pretty safe. Like we'll pray and it's like, yeah, God bless me, help me this and that. But, but, but sometimes when we're praying, what we want to do is we want to, to align God's will to what we want him to do, which is fine. We can pray for these things. But these prayers that we're talking about, these four prayers that we're talking about in this series are dangerous prayers because if we pray these prayers with all of our hearts, they're not going to change the heart of God. They're going to change our heart. And so last week, we started with this dangerous prayer, prayer called search me. Search me. And we talked about this, this um, disaster room, right? Like there's these spaces in our heart that we don't want to let God in. But as we let him into these spaces, it's not that God is surprised. It's like, man, I can't believe you did that. He already knew from the beginning. But what happens is we begin to heal. We begin to heal. And so that's what we talked about last week. But before I continue, I just want to introduce myself. If you don't know who I am, my name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Downey First Christian Church. And if you're here for the first time or this church is new to you, I want to personally welcome you. And we're going to do something that is traditional in this church now, uh, which is I'm going to ask you, you don't have to stand if this church is new. You don't have to say anything. I'm just going to ask you when I count to three, you're going to raise your hand and put it right back down. And I promise you, the only thing that we're going to do is give you a huge round of applause. Sound good? So if this church is new to you, one, two, three, please raise your hand. Raise your hand over there, over there. God bless you over there, over there. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, our desire is that you'll make Downey First Christian Church your church home, but more importantly, that you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life. And so a couple announcements before we continue. Uh, last Wednesday, we had a worship night. I think we have a picture there of the worship night. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, you really missed out. It was a great night. We did it in the cafe. I want to thank everyone who was a part of this, uh, everyone who organized this. It was just a beautiful night of worship. And so if you weren't there, be sure to be there uh, for the next one. Um, also, we have an evangelism training. So next, um, a couple Sundays from now, December 12th at 3, at 3 o'clock, we're going to have an a, uh, evangelism training. Now, we already had one. We had one a couple weeks ago, and four people showed up. Let's be honest with you. Four people showed up. I'm not saying that that's good or bad. What I'm saying is I feel like we had so much going on in our church. It's December, Thanksgiving, Halloween, just all kinds of stuff. And also I think that when we organized this, we were doing too much in too little time because we were having the evangelism training, and then we were going to go out that same day and evangelize into the streets. So let me clarify. On December the 12th, we're going to have an evangelism training. Just a training. We're not going to go out and evangelize in the street yet, but in this training, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to explain to you step-by-step, step, and it's, I love this because it's a step-by-step step process to which you can have a conversation with someone and just present the, present the gospel. And very simple, like in five minutes, you can just have a gospel presentation that is not awkward, it's not uncomfortable, it's just kind of organic, and it works very well. And so if you're interested, that's going to be December 12th at 3 o'clock, Okay. Last announcement before we continue. Um, we have a special Sunday on the 19th. We're going to celebrate Christmas. This is our big day. And this is an opportunity in which you can bring your friends to church. Now, if you didn't know this, there are two Sundays in the year where people are most likely to come to church, right? Wh which are those two? You guys can probably guess, right? Easter, right? And Christmas. We call these people CEOs because they are Christmas and, uh, uh, Easter and Christmas only. Did I say that right? Christmas and Easter only, right? They're CEOs. They only come on those two dates. But this is an opportunity to bring your friends and bring your family. It's going to be a special Sunday. It's going to be just normal uh, 10 o'clock and then 11.30. Uh, we're getting everything ready. So make a note of that and start praying about 
the person or the people that you're going to bring that day. That's going to be uh, December 19th, and it's called Missing Peace is the, is the title of uh, the Sunday, uh, the Christmas Sunday is Missing, Missing Peace. So I ask you to, to pray about uh, who you're going to bring on that Sunday. Sound good? You guys still here? Good. Raise your hand if you're not here. Okay. So you got, got some of you guys. So Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 40, 43 and 44, listen to this and let this come into your heart. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Really? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And pray for those who persecute you. And so we've been talking about this whole idea. I've, I gave a little introduction at the beginning about these dangerous prayers. The prayer that I'm going to challenge you to pray this morning is this. Bless them. And I don't mean bless their heart. I'm like, bless them. Bless them. Those people that make our life difficult, bless them. So I want to, I want to uh, start off by just talking about a, a, a very famous uh, Bible story. It's the story of Jonah, right? You guys know the story of Jonah? So Jonah, right, he disobeyed God. God told him to, to go preach to Nineveh. He disobeyed God. He went to Tarshish, and he got on a boat. They threw him off the boat. A big fish swallowed him. He was in the fish for three days. The fish spit him out, and he's like, okay, God, I'll do what you say. And then he went to preach to Nineveh. He probably preached the worst sermon ever preached, and the whole town of Nineveh became followers of God. That's not the main point of the story. The main point of the story is that Jonah was mad at God. Because the Ninevites were the Assyrians and the Jewish people hated the Assyrians and he was mad at God because he blessed people that he thought did not deserve to be blessed. And the, the book literally ends by him being mad at God because they didn't deserve to be saved. They didn't deserve to be in the right standing with God, right? They didn't deserve the forgiveness of God. Have you ever been there? Can you relate? Do you have people in your life who you feel that, like, they just don't deserve my forgiveness? Like, they've just done too much to me. You've given this person so many chances and nothing. And so this is a hard prayer because, because the Bible doesn't only ask us to forgive this person. The Bible tells us that we should pray for these people. So I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to bring myself to, to, to a place to where I'm not only supposed to forgive someone, but I'm supposed to pray for them and pray for them with your whole heart. Not like, hey, God, just, God, please just help them to stop being a jerk. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying for them. In fact, do you want to know whether or not you've actually forgiven someone? If you've actually forgiven something, you can pray for them. That's the evidence of you actually being able to forgive someone. And so the question I want us to ask ourselves today is how in the world do I bring myself to that point? And why would I even want to bring myself to that point to where I can not only forgive the person who's made my life so hard, but actually pray a blessing on that person? And so that's what this message is all about. And so Peter, Peter, right? Peter asked Jesus this very question. He asked Jesus this question. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, he says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Ever been there? What's the limit? Like seven times is a lot. Like one, two, three, four, five. Like that's a lot of times. He's, he's, he thought he was being generous by asking that. 
And then Jesus tells Peter, I tell you, verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or 70 times seven. There's different translations in the Greek. There's a, a problem with the word fold, like seven to fold, so it gets kind of missed in the translation. So sometimes you could say 77 times, or 70 times seven. Let's just go with the highest one. 70 times seven is 490. What he's not saying is that by the time you're at 489, like, you got one left, buddy. Just one left. You do one more, and I am done forgiving you. It's not the point that Jesus is making. The point that Jesus is making is much deeper than that. And so that's why right after this question, Jesus goes into a parable. It's a very famous parable, and we're going to read this. Verse 23, starting in verse 23. Listen up. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. See, imagine a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. This is about $7 billion. And so as Jesus is sharing the story, from the perspective of the people listening, they're like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. It's the point was, there's no way to pay it. That's, that's the point. Continues, verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children... And all that he had be, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Fell on his knees. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything, right? Seven billion dollars, right? You can, I'll pay back everything, you know? The servant's master, what happened? He saw him and he took pity on him. And what happened? He canceled the debt and let him go. Brothers and sisters, that story is our story. That is the gospel story in a parable form. We had an impossible debt to pay. We surrendered to Jesus. Jesus forgave the whole debt. That's what the parable story is talking about. So, so Jesus uses this parable as a framework to answer the question that Peter was asking as to how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then he continues because the story continues into what this, this forgiven person does. What does this forgiven person do, do in verse 20? Eight, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, an equal, right? Not a king, like in the first case. He found an equal servant who owed him 100 silver coins, $300. He owed him $300. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him. So we have the same situation, right? He was uh, before the king. He owed him $7 billion. He, puts, he gets on his knees, right? So same situation with a different person. And what happens? Be patient with me and I will pay it back. The, the, the fellow servant told him, the one who was forgiven, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had, them thrown into, had him thrown into prison until he could pay the entire Dead. When the other servants saw what had happened, uh, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called his servant and said, you wicked servant. He said, you, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from the heart. So here's the point. Our willingness to forgive one another is usually based on whether or not we consider that what the person did to us is forgivable or not forgivable. 
In other words, if you did something small and not very often, like, you know what, that's fine, I forgive you. But if someone does something deep and it's like, this guy is never changing, I'm like, how am I supposed to continue forgiving this person? But Jesus brings a totally different approach. He's not saying that we need to base whether or not we forgive something on the basis of if that person deserves from our perspective to be forgiven. He's not saying that. He takes a completely different perspective. And what he's saying, in essence, is this. Don't look at what the other person did to you, but look at what Jesus did for you. It's not about whether or not the person deserves to be forgiven. It's about what Christ forgave you on the cross. You see, we don't use other sins as a, as a gauge on whether or not we can forgive them. It's not what we do. In fact, tell me how open you are to forgive, and I will tell you how much you actually understand the gospel. You see, true forgiveness starts by understanding the gospel. And understanding the gospel starts by understanding our true condition. And only when we understand our true condition will we be able to forgive from the heart because we'll understand what we have been forgiven from. So we have to start there. So let me just ask you, do you understand, do I understand how sinful you are? Do I understand exactly how sinful I am? Because the answer to that question will help us when we decide whether or not we're going to forgive one another from the heart. So how sinful are we? And I'm going to go into a terrible joke. I'm just, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say a joke and it's so bad, but it's a joke. And then please forgive me, I'm asking you for forgiveness beforehand. So guy dies and goes to heaven and faces St. Peter at the pearly gates. Signing in, gets his name tag, walking into, I don't know why his name tag, walking into heaven, and he's looking around and he sees all these clocks. There's clocks everywhere. And he's wondering, what are the, all these clocks? And all these clocks were, were, were running at different speeds. Some were going fast, some were going slow. Some were going very slow and some were going very fast. And so he asked St. Peter, what are all these clocks? He's like, oh, these clocks, they represent people's sins. What do you mean? Well, if you've sinned a lot in your life, then the clock goes around fast. And if you've sinned not very much, then your clock goes very slow. And every clock had a name underneath and one was Billy Graham, and that clock was going very slow. And another one was Mary, Mother Teresa, and that one was going very, very, very slow. And so he asked the obvious question. He said, uh, so St. Peter, where's, where's my clock? He's like, well, I keep your clock in my office. I use it as a fan. <laughs> that, went better, that was better than I thought. And so the reason why I share that is because Wow, I was surprised. I thought the joke was terrible. So um, the reason why I share that is because, because how fast do you think your clock would go? In other words, how sinful do you think that you are? How sinful do I think that I am? How, how many sins do you commit per day? How many sins did you commit today? One? What about one sin a day? No, two sins? Okay, let's just say that I commit five sins per day. If I commit five sins per day, that means by the time I'm 50, I will have committed 91,250 sins, not counting the sins of omission. That's a lot of sins. That's a lot of sins. And so we have to understand, all joking aside, we have to understand that even the good that we do is tainted with sin. Like sin, 
You see, sin is not, they're not events. Like, oh, I sinned and now I'm good and then I sinned. No, even, the, even the good that we do is tainted with sin. Isaiah 64, 6 says this. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. You see, sins are not like events where it's on and off unless sin, sin, sinful our sin is a condition. It's a condition. It's not like sometimes I'm sinning and sometimes I'm not sinning. It's a condition. And we need to be rescued from it. So important for us to understand that. It's not about trying hard, working hard, being better, doing better, giving our best. It's not, it's not about that. We are all sinners and we are hopeless without Jesus. So we have to start there. So my question is, do we get this? Do we understand that we are spiritually bankrupt? We got nothing to offer. We need Jesus' salvation. Do we understand this? And so what the parable is teaching us, is there's, that there's really one way to, to be able to gauge whether or not we actually understand it. It goes back to the parable. Because sometimes we can read these parables and we're like, oh man, like the parable, right? So he's like $7 billion. This guy forgave him $7 billion. And he's not able to forgive someone who owed him 300? So we can become very judgmental. It's like when, do you guys remember the story of Nathan? The prophet Nathan came up to King David, right? And David was just, he was a mess. He was, he was, he was committing all these sins, all these atrocities. And then prophet, the prophet Nathan comes up to David, to King David, and says, tells him a little story about these, these two guys, a rich guy and a poor guy. And he talks about a lamb, and he talks about this incredible injustice that had happened. And then David gets so mad, he's like, we got to find that guy, and when we find that guy, we're going to go and we're going to kill him. And then Prophet Nathan says, actually, you are that man. And so sometimes we can go through the same thing, like we're reading this parable, and we're like, how could he not forgive 300 dollars when he had been forgiven seven billion so i'll say lovingly you are that person if you are unable to forgive from your heart he's talking to us do we understand the impossibility of being able to compensate for the gift that we have received because there's a direct correlation between that and our ability to forgive others. That's you and me in that story. We're the ones that have been forgiven $7 billion and are unable to forgive 300 if we don't forgive from the heart. You see, I, I, some things that I hear sometimes is, Pastor, I'd like for us to go deeper. Like, just go deeper, you know? And I, know, I never really understand what they mean by that. I'm not saying it's a lot of people, but it happens sometimes. Pastor, I just want us to go deeper. And the only thing I can think of is like, so you want me to confuse you so much till you walk away and you're like, I had no idea what that was about, but man, that was deep, right? But the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is because it really doesn't go much deeper than this in the sense that, that, that the evidence that we truly understood the forgiveness that we have received is not our ability to be able to articulate it clearly. Like we have theological words like substitution and propitiation and absolution and redemption, all these theological words which sound great, but the parable is saying, tell me how willing you are to forgive with no questions asked and I will tell you how deep your knowledge of the gospel is. 
so important. So the question here today, this morning, is how are you doing? How am I doing with this? Is there someone in your life that you have trouble forgiving right now? I do. Family, friends, someone owes you money, someone owes you an apology. You were the victim of an injustice, abuse. And now your mind right now may be filling up with reasons why he or she does not deserve your forgiveness. And so here's what I want to tell you about that. Because you're thinking like, they just, like, like you don't understand what they did to me, Pastor. You're right. I, I don't. I don't understand and, I'm, I, and I don't know what that is. And, and this parable is not denying what happened. Yes, he was owed $300. Yes, that money was owed to him. Yes, he should have paid it back. And the same is true for you. The situation that you went through or that you're going through is real. I'm not trying to discredit what happened to you, the injustice that, that you went through. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we need to focus on the thing that will bring us healing. What Jesus did for us. It's not about what he or she did to you, but about what Jesus did for you. The moment we start focusing on that, we begin to heal. I don't want us to dwell on what happened, which is true and painful. You see, Jesus needs to be our example. That needs to be our mindset. That's why Jesus tells the story to Peter. He tells the story because he's answering Peter's question about how many times should I forgive? Jesus says 70 times seven. He's not using literal language. He's not saying stop at 490. He's not saying that. So I guess the question is, when should you stop forgiving others? Well, when did Jesus stop for you? At what point did he stop? You see, sinfulness is a condition. We're, we're sinful. But Jesus' forgiveness is also a constant. He's not deciding which sins he's going to forgive and which sins he's not going to forgive. We stand forgiven before Jesus completely. When Jesus was on the cross, in the worst moment, when everyone had turned his, their backs on him, he said, Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what to do. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he said the words, Lord, don't count this sin against them. How does Stephen find the strength to be able to do that? Well, he looked to Jesus as an example. And he understood the forgiveness that he had received. You see, I've come to the conclusion that as Christians, forgiveness is not optional. And as long as we continue to focus on what they did to me, we will take our focus off of what will actually bring us healing, which is understanding the forgiveness that we have received from Christ. We have to go back to that. We have to go back to that over and over and over again. 
Philippians 2, 5 says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about submitting to one another out of reverence to who? To one another? Out of reverence to Christ. We look at Christ. You see, when we're baptized and we receive Jesus, we don't go from bad to good. We go from dead to alive. We don't go from sinners to perfect. We go from condemned to forgiven. We've been forgiven completely. And so, back to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to end with this. You have heard it that it was said. Back to the verse that we talked at the beginning. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so how do you know if you've actually forgiven your brother, your sister, co-worker, anyone in your life? You may say, I forgave them. I don't even talk to them anymore. No, sorry. It's not forgiveness from the heart. Here's how you know. When you bring yourself to the point where you can actually pray a blessing on them. That's when you know. So I don't want, to want you to walk away today just feeling the, the pressure or the weight of like, oh man, I don't think I've actually forgiven yet. I don't want you to walk away with that. I want you to walk away with just focusing on the depth of the forgiveness that you have received. Not expecting them to change. This is something about, this is about you, about you and, and God and the gospel. So I'm gonna close with this. I think I might've shared this before, but there's a, there's a horrible thing that, that the Romans used to do. The, the, the Greeks were the ones that invented, invented crucifixion. The Romans perfected it and they were experts in torture. And one of the horrible tortures that the, the Romans would do is it was called the, uh, the dead kill the alive, something like that. And so if you murder someone unjustly, the Romans, they would, they would tie the person that you had murdered, they would tie him onto your body. Like you couldn't, you couldn't take him off of you. So his body would start to rot on your back and um, you know, it would start rotting your body. Like the rotten body would rot your body and that would end up killing you. It's a horrible death, horrible thing. So when I think about that, I think about sometimes the, the unforgiveness that we carry. You see, the unforgiveness that we carry can absolutely kill us spiritually if we let it. This is about letting go. It's about letting go. Maybe the person that you haven't forgiven isn't even alive anymore, and he's still there. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of that. That's what Jesus is calling us to do today. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to close with this. If you can just close your eyes here for a moment. Just close your eyes. Don't look anywhere. Just close your eyes. This, this moment is for you. This is a moment for you. And I'm going to say a few things, and then I'm going to pray. You see, because maybe you're here and there's someone in your life, there's something that happened to you. I don't know what it is, but there's something that you feel that you are carrying and you cannot let go. And I want to tell you that, there, like I said before, there is a direct correlation between our understanding of the forgiveness that we have received and our ability to forgive. I already said that. But it also works the other way in the sense that our ability to grasp the forgiveness of God also goes deeper when we forgive even when we don't feel it. So there's something I want to ask you to do. Because in the same way that we, we are able to understand the gospel 
deeper as a result of the forgiveness of Jesus when we decide to forgive or take a step toward forgiveness, we understand better what Jesus did for us. And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but I'm asking you to take a step today, today, in praying a blessing over the person, the people, him, her, that has hurt you and is just too hard to forgive. So if you need help with this, I'm just gonna pray for you right now. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. I just wanna know where you're at. Amen. I mean, just raise it, put it back down. Amen. I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm just gonna pray for you. Lord God, Lord God, we pray this morning that you'll help us. Help us understand what we've been forgiven from. Help us understand that this parable is about the gospel. And it's about this $7 billion impossible to pay. It's forgiveness that we have received. It's impossible to pay back. You allow for us to focus on that. And that that will help us to be able to forgive others. And I pray that we'll also understand that that when we say in our hearts, they don't deserve it, in a way, what we're saying is we do deserve to be forgiven. And I pray, God, that we will just be able to go deep into understanding that you have rescued us so deeply and that the result of that will be that we'll just have everyone in our lives stand forgiven before us regardless. And I pray that that will bring healing into our heart. Thank you, Lord, for this message this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.